Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. You wanted the best. Well, they didn't freaking make it. So here's what you get from Canada, Ryan and Jason. Welcome to the Worst of the Best Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and with me today is Jason. How are you doing? Doing good, brother. How are you? Good. Well, this episode, well, at the time of this recording, is kind of timely. As of not even 24 hours ago, Putin has declared war. Legit attacks have happened. President Biden has basically said, hey, Putin, the Allies don't like this, and blood is on your hands for this conflict. Really came out and said that. A very bold statement by the President of the United States. We've already taken over the Kiev airport. Oh, wow. So they're moving faster than I can. This is a real conflict. Jason and I are Canadian, and Canada has entered the conflict as well. Prime Minister Trudeau has made his statements. Of course, you can just Google that myself. I'm a military member. I'm in the Navy. That's of interest to me, of course, because there are ships. I believe it's HMCS. Halifax, I believe, is leaving or has been told that they're going to deploy to that conflict and we're sending troops as well. Of course, our military is small compared to the U.S. However, whatever or whatever our size as a military, it's irrelevant. We will still offer what we can, what support we can. That's what we do as Canada or any allied nation. This is so fresh. I haven't even researched other nations like Australia, New Zealand, Britain, but I would assume every country will support this as allies to the U.S. Have you heard any different or... I haven't really. I mean, I just saw the headlines that it is, in fact, uh, Russia attacks Ukraine. This is not a news channel, but just go ahead and Google, of course, the conflict. I'm sure by the time this is out, it'll be very clear as to what is exactly happening. Yeah, it's that fresh. And what's crazy is, is I remember the rumblings. The rumblings have been around. I'm like, okay, Putin's not going to really do this, is he? And yes, he is. He has. And to say it's... I'm going to say scary is the word. To say it's not not something it would be an understatement. I mean, it, this is a big deal. This is huge. To declare war on a neighboring country is a big deal. Yeah. The Brooklyn effects may be quite significant uh, moving forward. There's concerns now that China's going to feel more emboldened to take over Taiwan. It's like kids in a playground, man. Like, oh, yeah, they're they're throwing punches. To the- Why don't we just join the fray? It's that mob mentality, right? When you're in a mob or a... Um- Hey, let's make some noise, too, while everyone's distracted. Right. Well, what happens in these conflicts, Jason, and this is very common through the World War, Vietnam War, Korean War, of course, 9-11, it's usually there's an increase in military activity, of course, and military recruiting. People will feel, using your wording, emboldened or encouraged or patriotic or whatever the words might be to say, you know what? I'm going to help out this cause. I'm young. I'm strong or whatever it might be. I'm going to join the military. That's great. I'm in the military. I think it's fantastic. People join. I don't think war is fantastic, but I think it's great if you want to help out, join the cause, fight for freedom, all the things you think the military is for, for your country, security, then by all means, it's it's a great job and a great avenue for people to be employed and to serve their country and to serve their fellow men. And of course, we uh, give our thanks to all the veterans throughout the world. People have lost their lives to these causes throughout the world. But before you can start your job in the military... You have to go what's called boot camp, Jason, or basic training. We've seen many movies like Full Metal Jacket or TV shows. 
that show you what basic training or boot camp can be like. Of course, it's sensationalized for the movies or for TV shows. I've been through basic training, of course, and I actually got to teach basic training. Now, I say basic training because in Canada, that's what we call it. I don't know where it's called in other countries, but I believe the U.S. calls it boot camp. It's the same idea. So I have a unique experience of going through basic training almost 20 years ago and being an instructor or a drill sergeant during basic training. I just finished it a year ago and I did it for two years. So it was a really fun experience. In today's episode, we're going to go through these misconceptions about military training or boot camp from the misconceptions of drill sergeants, what boot camps are for, things like that. Well, we have listeners from all around the world on this show. We do have listeners from Australia and the UK. Maybe some of them have actually served military. I actually have some friends that listen to this podcast that are in the military, so bear with me. And I also have some recruits that I actually taught in basic training who listened to this podcast. And I'm wondering if some of them had some of these misconceptions before they themselves joined. In fact, I know many of my recruits did. And we'll speak to that as we go through it because I would often talk to my recruits about some of their own fears or misconceptions about what they were going through live at the time. So these are very true and very real misconceptions about boot camp. And I would suspect these misconceptions are from movies watched a lot of war movies growing up i would think that these misconceptions are from entertainment yes i agree all right jay you got number 10 the first misconception we're going to talk about is that there's no family contact allowed whatsoever but that's not true that's something i had not thought of prior to doing this is the idea that you can't talk or communicate or interact with your family while you are at boot camp But it isn't true. There is limited contact and they do minimize it. It's typically like about a phone call a week to family or close friends. They're able to write letters. I don't know if now they're able to do emails or whatever. Maybe you can speak to that, Ryan. Um, When you go to boot camp or people go to basic training here in Canada, is that an actual reality? There is contact with family, friends, and what have you. When I went through in 2003... I didn't have a cell phone phone or smartphone. I mean, cell phones were around, but I didn't take a cell phone. So I wasn't able to call my wife at the time via that way or text or anything like that. However, yes, we did the phone calls at night and or on the weekends because there's pay phones where we slept at night in the building. There's pay phones that we would line up or take turns on the pay phone and say, hey, hurry up. Can I call my wife now? And often I would actually keep my phone calls to once or twice a week. That's it. Monday to Friday, you're pretty busy. As a new recruit, you're busy. You're up, you're up early, but you're very busy throughout the day. You're working right late till night and you're up again. So there's very little time to really just sit there and talk to your loved one or because you're wasting time, not shiny boots, getting your uniform ready, you name it, right? I would suspect then a lot of these phone calls and interactions with families is more important to the families themselves and less important to you because you are quite occupied with what it is that you're participating in. Mm-hmm. Fast forward 18 years later, I'm an instructor at the school. So now I'm seeing it from the, you know, from the side of the instructors and with the advance of technology. So every recruit has a cell phone and we do not take their cell phones away. It's a new world. And I was actually kind of surprised by that. So they have what's called, I can't remember. No, it's only been a year since I've been there, but I already kind of forget the times. So they're allowed to have cell phone time nightly each night. So they'd have their cell phones in their possession. We did not take them away. We'd take them away on occasion. I hate to use the word punishment. That's um, that's not the word that we use there, but what was it called again? Boy, it's funny that we use these terms, but you know, you move on to other jobs in your military career and I forget the term. But anyways, 
So we take their phones away as a punishment if the platoon doesn't do certain things. Well, that was very rare. And we'd have to get like special permission from like higher ups to take it away for longer than two or three days type thing. We as an instructor could take away for a short period of time, but anything longer than like 24 hours, you would have to get permission. Whole new world now with, with cell phones. And we kind of entrusted the recruits to not disobey when they're allowed to have their phones in their rooms at night. But we know those were broken. We know people were on their phones past. And that's okay in a sense because that's just the world we live in. That's the recruits we're hiring. These these kids are born with a cell phone in their hand now, right? They're literally born with screens in their hands. It's just the world we live in. I think the military now has recognized that, that if you want people to be recruited, which is an issue, at least in Canada, I don't know about the States, getting new recruits, getting these young kids in the door, you start telling them, hey, when you go to basic training, you're not going to have your phone anymore. They're not going to join. So let me make this a public message to anyone listening in Canada. Yes, you get to use your cell phone in basic training, but you're not using it while you're in class, while you're out marching. I'm just talking about your time at night. Basically, when the instructors go home for the night type thing, you know, you're going to use it when you're going to use it. There is a time allotted each day. And so they can text whoever they want, talk to whoever they want. And they do. And I think that does help with their mental health. And I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Good insight. Is that something actually you were worried about going in? This is actually something I had not thought of, not having contact with the outside world. When you said, hey, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to go to basic training, did you feel at the time that your contact with the outside world would be completely shut off? Was that a concern? So I went through again in 2003. So I feel like it was like pre-Google, pre-Facebook, pre-smartphone. So the idea of really not being social media connected to the old outside world was it wasn't really a thought or sacrifice per se. You're just so busy. Again, my wife at the time, to call her daily would have been redundant. I'm like, okay, honey, I <laughs> shine mm. boots, marched, got right. yelled at, did push-ups. Now I got to go iron my uniform or whatever it might have been. The weekly calls were just fine for me. I was so focused and it actually just helped me to be focused, not to worry about other stuff. I actually found right. it less distracting. That's, that's why I, I think it's more important. It's probably more of a relief for the people who aren't participating to hear from you than the other way around but knowing that you know these young recruits have access to that as you say probably just alleviates the mental health stress of being away from family whether they participate in that communication or not i don't know but my son went through my second son went through the basic training and actually he went through just before i went and taught there funny enough speaking of cell phones of course he had his so he would actually text me every now and then (laughs) his concerns or fears some of his misconceptions and i kind of cheated with him you know i'm like hey buddy it's okay it's just a game or don't worry about it or i'd give him the insights of he would tell me something that was said or done during basic training i kind of gave him some cheat codes so so there you go but the, the cell phone for him was his support network to me and it helped them and he got through just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So another misconception, number nine, is that every new recruit is big and strong and or you have to be big and strong to get through basic training. Well, all uh, they have to do is look at you. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. <laughs> if I can get through it, anybody can. Now, in the States, apparently there's a minimum weight requirement to a list. I guess, you know, you can't be too, too light you know, or you might have like some sort of bone disease where you're so light you know like carrying a backpack will break your back or something or i think sadly nowadays most people are not too light most people are probably right unfortunately too heavy yeah at the end of the day though there is no requirement for size as a basic training instructor i saw all shapes and sizes and when i say kids i will often refer to the recruits as kids it's just our 
moniker we gave the new recruits, call them kids because they're young in the brain when it comes to the military, even though some of them could be as old as 50 when they join or as young as 18. So they all come in different shapes and sizes. And that's great. We want that. You don't need to have superhuman strength. I also recommend you don't be overly weak. The idea is is that you have teamwork and a lot of the things that you do, you do together. You want to be able to, to get through the program but as far as feats of strength, that's not what basic training is about. You are pushed to your own personal limit. You're definitely uh, challenged. But you can have a guy who's very strong that can't jump the wall. There's a six-foot wall that you have to leap. And I was horrible at it. So, you know, I'm actually a pretty in-shape guy. I mean, I'm 46 now. But when I joined at 27, I was still, you know, pretty decent shape. I was never grossly obese or never incredibly weak. I've always been a pretty normal, strong. Nothing's really has yeah. challenged me physical fitness-wise throughout my life. And basic training was actually easy for me, physical fitness. I didn't have any problems with it. But there's what's called the six-foot wall. That you, there's a board wall, and you just step on it. You know, you kind of get to it, and you leap over it. You know, grab it. And my upper body strength is horrible. There's two things I can't do. Um, you know, the bars, like monkey bars, I'm horrible at that. I feel like my weight to my upper body ratio yeah, is yeah, horrible. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. The monkey bars and the uh, the wall. Now, with the wall – we also train to show how to help your buddy. This is where the teamwork comes in. We will train to this. If you can't get over the wall yourself, you're not alone. And we show how to safely help somebody over the wall. When you squat with your back against the wall, put your you know hands in a cupping position, and then they step on your hands, you lift the guy over the wall. The guy that can get over the wall by himself helps the guy that can't get over the wall. So that's how you work around. That's the teamwork. So I suspect the guy that can get over the wall, he's the last one over the wall. Yes, absolutely. And that's right. what happens. So when we go through the obstacle course, which this is a part of, that's exactly what happens is that, okay, who can get over the wall? And yeah, the people that can get over it on their own are pretty confident they can. They go last and they help the people over. And I was one of those people. I just sucked at getting over that wall. And I'm almost six feet tall myself, but it just, yeah. Okay. Book camp is all about brainwashing. Now, this is definitely something that comes from the uh, from entertainment world where you go to boot camp and all they're doing is instructing you to kill, you know, kill, kill. Kill, kill a machine and you have no mercy or empathy for anybody or anything. And... I can kind of see maybe the wording brainwashing is a little extreme, but there would obviously be things that they want to drill into you yes. as to your purpose and your, the agenda at hand, the significance, like, as you say, if there's teamwork involved, you know, the importance of being a team player and all the rest, but to suggest that it's a brainwashing exercise is probably a little bit extreme. Absolutely true. Um, yeah. What you experienced, I guess, going back to you, obviously, having experienced it. You're right about the movies and doing that, you know, kill, kill, kill. We were here. We're here to kill. Or this is my weapon. This is my gun. You know, all this stuff. Again, I can't speak to everyone's experience. And I'm sure like Navy SEALs or these Delta Force. I don't know. Like, I'm just, this is basic training. Okay. This yeah. is boot camp. We're is, talking about boot camp, yeah. basic training, the very minimal. Right. Yeah. And let me explain something for to anyone that's not familiar with how the military works, especially here in Canada. Basic training is just what it means. It doesn't mean that it's not overly difficult and it is basic, but whether you're a cook or you're going to be an Air Force pilot, you know, I'm not trying to say that a cook's useless and Air Force pilot's the greatest thing. No, I'm just saying there's, there's just different parts of your brain being used here. That's all I'm saying. I can't be a pilot and I don't also don't think I have the ability to be a good cook. So the point is whether you're a cook or a pilot or an infantry guy or myself, an operator on a ship. We all have to go through the same basic training program. That's the base. And then you move on from basic training to your trade schools. And then you 
And then within your trade, then you go to further qualifications within your trade. But everyone starts at the bottom. Everyone gets yelled at. Everyone gets the push-up punishment, all that stuff. No matter what trade you are or job you are in the military, you start at basic training. Okay. The brainwashing part, Jason, the misconception is, is what we do to the recruits is we take what we call, we take the civilian out of them, meaning it is a different job. You're not a civilian anymore. You have literally signed on a dotted line. This is what they have to understand. It can be a part of a weeding out process. I mean, Absolutely. you have to have a mental toughness because physical difficulties don't just include your body. Absolutely. It's a mental game as well. And so as you go through these basic things where you are getting the civilian washed out of you, there's a mental toughness that has to come along with that process. You as a trainer or being a trainee in that process, you're either going to help somebody go through that process and you also have to have the toughness mentally to go through that process and that change and realize that this is something very different than when you probably have ever experienced before. Absolutely, yeah. The military yeah. is a unique entity. People feel it right away when they, when civilians first walk into that door wearing their civilian clothes or wearing the clothes they wore in the airport, right? And I will meet them as their instructor. I really enjoyed this. It's their first day when they walk in. I love it. I absolutely love it. Because then when they walk into the building, they have to start marching right away. You, mm. You're not walking. You're no longer civilian. When you walk through those doors, we tell them, you know, swing those arms. And they, they literally have put their bags down. I tell them to open up their bags. I search their bags for contraband, everything. And I tell them to march. They have to march over. And I'm instructing them how to march. I said, when you walk down the hallways, you're doing this. You know, arms straight. And already you're yelling, not screaming, but I'm swing those arms. Get the bends out of the elbow. You know, you do that kind of talk. Right, right. away, their first day, they're ah. And that's where the misconception of the brainwashing is. No, no, no. You're not working at Tim Hortons anymore. You're not the gas jockey anymore. You're not even a, a medical student anymore in university where it's all cozy and you're having little, your little Starbucks coffee while you're studying your notes. No, no. I don't care about anything that you've done in the past. I don't care. Right now, you're not walking properly. Right away, it's a shock. And that's what they have to experience. So it's not brainwashing, but you're readjusting the brain that this is a different life. You have to understand orders, understand instruction. You're part of a team. You're no longer an individual. There's a sense of like a community. We're all on the same page. Yeah. We're all doing the same thing. Exactly. We're all Everyone's have the equal. same goals. Yes. And there we go. And everybody's an equal. Male, female, tall, short, fat, skinny, strong, weak. It doesn't matter. At this point right now, you don't even know how to walk properly in my hallway. Yeah, that's day one. Which kind of bleeds into number seven, that boot camp is designed for recruits to fail. Well, you spoke to a weeding out process. And, and it's true in the sense of not everyone, well, not everyone can do it. And that's okay. Not your job to weed them out. That's right. They will weed themselves out. Exactly. Perfectly said. And this is what I would tell recruits, especially the ones that are struggling. And I would say to the recruits, like, just so you guys know, this is a program that I didn't create. I didn't come up with these teaching plans. I didn't come up with the schedule even. I'm beholden to the schedule too. The schedule is created by people outside of me. And all I do is take these little ducklings from place to place as the drill instructor and other staff would teach them first aid or what have you, even like the rappel tower. I didn't teach them the rappel tower. All these different areas that I would just take them to it. I'm like, 
their guide, their tour guide, and I keep them in line and I keep them fit or I keep them to make sure they make their timings and make sure they're in order, make sure they represent me, I rep- represent them, we go hand in hand, all that good stuff. It's a lot of fun. The point is, though, the weeding out process, they do it to themselves. And I would tell them that we as an instructor don't look for ways to get you out. I want everyone to pass because it's actually less paperwork for me. Having you guys quit or leave or fail is actually paperwork for the staff. Unless you're a complete uh, dick, you want people to have success. Again, all we're doing is redirecting your mind and body to a different job. But however, your daily job is nothing like this. There will be days where you're... So bored, you know, you're just twiddling your thumbs, which is just like any job. But this is just high energy, high tempo. Now, you might not like it. I understand that. It also pushes recruits to feel fatigue and all that stuff because there's times throughout your job you're going to be very tired. You got to work through it. But the point is, it's not designed to fail you is what I'm getting at. It's designed to show you this is what the job can be like. This is what you can experience at some points or many points throughout your career, depending on your job, depending on your uh, what trade you are. Some trades have more fatigue than others, absolutely. That's what it's designed to do. So if you say to yourself, oof, I don't like this, and I don't ever want to experience this fatigue again, or I don't ever want to experience talking to uh, or going through the chain of command again, I just want everyone to be equal all the time, then yeah, this job isn't for you. That's the weeding out process is for you to say to yourself, I don't like the chain of command. I don't like drill. I don't like wearing a uniform. I don't like being told that I'm going to be posted to this place or that place or station, as they say in the States. Okay, that's the job. And so this just opens people's eyes to this is what my career could be like. But the program, we want you to pass. We want to fill those holes that we have in the military. We want you to pass, but we also want people that want to be there. Yeah, and they have to have a certain level of maturity, strength, and all the rest, because you do not want underprepared people to be in that job either, underqualified I'm so. sorry if I'm talking too much. No, no, I, this is good insight. Okay. Uh, I, I don't have much to speak of all of these things, but I appreciate hearing your your insight because I can't really give as much as you can, obviously. Well, you're um, coming from the angle of... A civilian. Yeah, civilian. This is maybe some misconceptions you might have had. Um, For sure. Most, a lot of these are because of my experience with the military is through entertainment for right. the most part. Full metal jacket platoon you know <laughs> we are not allowed to say those things what that guy said in that basic training opening oof, you cannot say that stuff at all to recruits you i'll get fired i would have gotten fired the first day yeah 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 so another misconception and it goes along with some of the earlier ideas is that all you are doing is physical training for you know your whole boot camp or basic training experience which is obviously not correct there's a lot of different angles and experiences that you're going to have. And it's not just physical. I would suspect there's in-class training, teaching. You're not just doing 24-7 P90X or some training routine <laughs> for, for like the whole time. This might come as a relief to some and frustrating to others. And I saw both sides of that to, to some recruits. There's some recruits where... Of course, again, as an instructor, we call, we call it like team team exercises or something like that, where you didn't call it punishment, but like, okay, guys, my favorite thing, I don't know why I'm good at it, is planking. Horrible push-ups. So as an instructor, any of my past recruits, they're going to be like, oh, and I knew that about you or I should have guessed that about you. So I didn't do a lot of push-ups with my recruits. I would do planking because I could plank for two, three minutes, but people after 10, 30 seconds, they're just like, they're all screaming. They're like, you can see their faces going red, their butts sagging to the ground. And I'd be like, come on guys, I'm 44 years old and I don't even work out and I could do this forever. And that was fun. I would even push myself. But the idea is, is that there's some recruits who they get out 
they could plank for 10, 20 minutes. Who knows? So some of these recruits are so fit that, you oh, know. Sure, yeah. And when I would tell them we're doing squats, another thing I like doing was squats. So I would do squats. I would do uh, and planking. There was I remember this one recruit. I, I still see her face. She was just like this physically fit beast. And she was, of course, kind of tiny. So she had that talk about muscle to or strength to body ratio. She was kind of tiny, but very mm-hmm. strong. Like a yeah, spider yeah. almost, you know? She would love it. When it's like, oh, yeah, team punishment time, she's like, oh, great. I get my exercise in for the day. You know, twiddling my thumbs here. I want to get more exercise. You're right, Jason. We got to learn. We got to learn stuff. There's some weapon handling. Of course, drill. Oh, drill takes so much time. Like, we got to teach them everything with drill. Now, that's where I come in for the most part. The other instructors is teaching like about turn and marching, saluting, rifle drill, you know, all the stuff you see in those movies. That's stuff you have to teach how to do the ceremonial stuff with still very basic there's stuff that we don't teach we only have so much time but the how to march properly and in unison all that stuff we're teaching over and over again so yeah if you just sit there and just did push-ups and sit-ups all day well that's not the program you're right this is not a gym you're not coming to basic training to get in shape we really encourage students to get the best shape they can before they come because it'll just be that much easier for you because like you said jay there's just other things to learn first aid teamwork, field exercises, all that stuff. So you're right. It's a busy program. It's amazing how much you do in a short amount of time. And physical fitness is not something we do to get them in shape. It's just something we do to motivate them and to keep them moving. It's highly, highly recommend you come in shape because we don't have time to get you in shape. I always suspect people who have the misconception that it's physical activity the whole time you're there may not want to sign up because they will feel unqualified to participate if they felt all I'm going to do is exercise or do physical work the whole time. They go like, I'm not that person. And then there'll be other issues who are like, I am that person. I'm a physical specimen. And that's something that I have a complete, that's one of my you know strengths is to be strong and physically active. You're, you might be scaring people off if they think they're doing that the whole right. time. And then people who have the misconception that that is what they're doing the whole time that they'll think it's going to be a breeze. If you come sort of out of shape, you'll get in more shape. If you sure. come in, if you come in really crazy in shape, you're not going to get in more shape. There is a program within the Canadian military. We do have physical fitness tests that people have to pass, and they take that while they're there. It used to be when I joined, you had to pass the test before you joined basic training, but now they do it there. If you do fail that test, they have a program while you're there, kind of like a mini camp, boot camp within the boot camp where you're taken off platoon. You're taken to this other platoon of people that there for like a month, they would just, that's what they would do. So if you kind of don't pass the mm. physical fitness portion, you're taken off the training program, put into this, you're going to get in shape program because you, you know, you want to be there. That's great. And you're not quite in shape or physically strong to pass the basic physical fitness exam that you have to have while you're there. Then they just work on that. Every day, boom, 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 boom. And then they so go that, back into platoon later on after they pass that. So that just goes and, and helps take away the misconception that they want you to fail. We give them so many chances and retests. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, retest, drill retest. We do everything we can. At least in the Canadian military, we want you to su- succeed. And we've provided everything we can. But, yeah, even then, some people just do fail out. And that's fine. Nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> you know, like you can't be everything, right? And military is not mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah, fair so enough. This kind of bleeds into number five that a physically fit person won't struggle in boot camp. So we kind of already talked about this. So we won't talk much more about this. So yes, you will still struggle in boot camp because like we said before, there's mind things that you have to do, teamwork. You get these physical fitness guys, jock guys or girls, and they think they're just the bee's knees and they figure out that they can't do 
knots or they can't iron their clothes or they can't do first aid or who knows. So physical fitness, though, a big part of your training, it's also not a big part. There's so much you have to do. You People have a hard time in the cold. If you're there during the cold, yeah, you can bench 250, but you can't, you know, your feet are freezing mm-hmm. or the heat. There's a lot of challenges beyond being able to bench press something, I assure you. And that's where the physical meets the mental. So when you're out there freezing to minus 25 weather, I don't care how much you can bench press. If, uh, I've seen a lot of tears in basic training. So you got to have the me- mental fortitude as well. And I think the mental fortitude, quite frankly, is more important than the physical one. Sure. All military recruits are highly patriotic. You think that would be a good place to start, but I suspect not everybody that goes into the military are as patriotic as we might think. They are looking at this more as an avenue of career, employment, mm-hmm. financial security for their future, and not so much just because they absolutely love their country that they're serving. Did you get that sense I joined for the job. It was 2003. I had two young kids. I was a young married man with two young kids. I was going to school. I actually took the police exam and I did fairly well. I uh, passed the police physical fitness exam. Jason, you were there actually for that. Mm, You remember? Remember you watched me do that? It almost made me puke, but I got through it. Passed the written test. It's quite a fun exam. And I did all the things you got to do. And then I got my first interview was the Delta police. And I actually got my first interview. And they actually said, you're, I was 26 at the time. They're like, Oh, you know, you have everything that we would need, but you don't really have any work experience that we're looking for. Now, this again was 2002 or three, and, you know, maybe it's different now. I was like, oh, work experience. You know, I just did normal jobs. I was going to school. I didn't really have any job job. I guess at 26, I don't know what they were thinking I needed, but they felt so they actually, one of the guys said, well, why don't you try going to the reserves just for a couple of years, get the work experience and then reapply in a few years. You know, I went to the recruiting center and I actually said, can I just join the reserves? And keep going to school type thing that I was doing and just work on the weekends in the reserves. And they convinced me, you know, the recruiter did their job. <laughs> Why don't you just join full time and do it for three years instead of a couple of years? And then, and then you'll have your work experience and then your first contract is over in three years. And then you can just honorable go f- discharge, yeah, go, go back to police. Well, what happens is you get a big pay raise at your four year mark. I hit my three year mark and I'm like kind of comfortable with my job already. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm pragmatic. I got a steady job. It's medical, dental, pension. And so I just signed on for my the rest of my contract. So here I am, 18 and a half years in. I mean, you were so patriotic that you would have done this for a minimum wage? Yeah, no, no, no. But I will do whatever is required for my country. Of course, I love yeah. Canada. I love our freedoms and honor all those military members who serve past and present and future. And I think I saw that too as an instructor. I would say the majority of the recruits didn't join because they loved the country. And there were those who did and you would know it when they who they were. And now that we have a conflict with Russia, you know, there's a conflict happening right now in the world. That's what I mean. There'll probably be an uptick. I would be not surprised to hear of some sort of uptick, both Canada and U.S., maybe the other allied countries. I wonder. I, I don't know. I, the data would have to be released at some time. But I wonder if there'll be an uptick in recruitment because of the conflict. I would say the majority of what I saw, yeah. It wasn't necessarily, a lo- though they love their country, they joined because the military... We see that movies. Ah, oh, kid, you got nothing going on. You just go join the military. And it's actually not bad advice. If you're not too sure what to do with your life, and this is my recruiting to the Canadians, if you're not, if you're kind of wishy-washy, you're not too sure, and you're physically fit, and you're capable, and you kind of don't really know what to do, just try it out. You might like it. And it, yeah, it's a good job. It's steady income. You don't want to worry about a paycheck. But if you have a real dream or passion for something, yeah, then I'd also recommend you do that instead. <laughs> so yeah, it's just not for everybody. All right, so we talked about this briefly. This is number three. The basic training has gotten softer or easier over the years. Now, 
I remember when I went through in 2003, I honestly thought, Jason, that I was going to be struck, physically struck by my uh, instructors. I truly believed that they could still hit me back then. In fact, I remember some of my instructors at the time saying, oh, you're lucky. You're lucky we don't get to hit you anymore. So they would, they would say that to me. And <laughs> so I, they're, they're, they're passing on the yes, misconceptions to they're keep passing you in line on. or right. whatever, yeah. Again, I can't speak to Navy SEALs. I can't speak to these hardcore or the, the same equivalents in Canada. I can't speak to how – look, have people been hit in the military? Or Yeah, obviously. Have they been struck by their senior instructors? I would assume so. I never saw it, and I never did it. Basic training itself, that basic – no. If someone hit right now today, especially I speak to Canada, like if an instructor literally struck a student, game over, man. Oh, yeah. It's huge no-no. I mean, it's right up there, obviously, with sexual harassment. You can't physically assault people. In fact, we're even told, I will say officially, we're told we're not allowed to swear at the recruits. Oh. We're not allowed to name call or give them nicknames. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But the idea is it could be a form of bullying or- uh, Yeah. Degrading. Degrading. So, yeah. They just say no nicknames, and you're not allowed to call them names. You can curse in the sense of while you're instructing, but I can't. you can't say to a recruit- you effing idiot. Right. Not directed at them as an right. individual. But you could say if you're looking at their uniform, what the F is this on your uniform? <laughs> you know? Is it easier or softer? It depends. Meaning it's a different world. We're not World War One. This isn't World War Two. It's a different warfare. It's modern warfare. And again, it depends on your trade. It depends on what is required of you. I'm Navy. I'm what's called a soft element. You know, they call us soft. You know, the Army thinks we're soft, which is fine. I get three square a day on a ship. I have hot showers. I get it. It's a different job than the army guys digging trenches and out in the elements. Absolutely. They're training above basic training. I can't speak to it. I don't know what they go through for that kind of training. That's what I'm getting at. Like These army guys, when they leave basic training, they go do their trade training. I, I expect they're treated differently than a sailor in our fleet school. <laughs> we're, we're inside a building learning, got computer systems and what have you. It's different elements and different warfare, right? Has it gotten easier... Well, the world's different too. Is life easier? The world is easier. We don't have to do this to our recruits anymore. There's a, it's a different kind of war, a different kind of battle. And if, if you treated recruits like they did in World War II, so is it softer or easier? Maybe, but it's unnecessary to be that way, the way it was then. That's how I look at it. At the end of the day, it's mental, it's mental health. Punching a recruit in the back of the head because they missed the target, what does that do? That's what I'm getting at. It doesn't do anything for the recruit. You're not teaching them. doesn't mean that I haven't seen tears. It doesn't mean people quit. People still don't get through this program. It's still hard because people aren't passing mm-hmm. all the time. I think most people quit because of themselves and not because of what was done to them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Misconception here is that all military servicemen are sharpshooters. So everybody's an amazing firearms expert. Because we see that in movies and TVs, right? Zach's military. He could do X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But since most people aren't participating in the firearms type of career, I would think most aren't sharpshooters. Hands up for Ryan. I'm a, I'm a terrible shot. I am a <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't get it. Now, look, when it comes to the end of the day, I don't know how good anyone's shot is in the heat of battle for basic training level. You throw in the average person – in the military, who've only been through basic training, they go on to be cooks, operators on a ship, or a clerk. We all have the same basic training, same weapon handling classes. Sure. But you put us in a firefight right away, like, of course, we're all going to be, yeah, we're not used to a firefight. That's not our job. We don't do that. And I like firing the gun. It's okay. I respect the weapon completely. I have a healthy respect for a weapon. Yeah. Some people really love it. That's great. Some people just love firing weapons. 
I only will do it when I have to. I have no interest in doing it recreationally or extracurricular activity for it. I respect people that can do a very good job at it and they're and they're excellent shooters. Ryan, not a great shot. It's not my forte. I do what I have to do to stay in the military, but uh all right. Last one, Jason. Drill sergeants, which was me. Or we call them in Canada instructors, you know, basic training instructors. But we're drill sergeants. When we say drill, that means we're actually literally teaching drill. Like I said before, how to march on parade, that kind of stuff. Uh, keep your room in order. The idea is that we're aggressive, that we're loud, we're abusive even, calling them names, uncaring, overbearing, harsh. At the end of the day, a lot of these instructors are husbands, wives, fathers, mothers themselves, right? They're just people. And we have a role to play. And it was actually interesting to talking to some of my past recruits when we were, you know, when they graduate basic training, they're now part of the family and you can shake their hand and give them a high five and say, job well done. And they've messaged me on Facebook and stuff over, over the last year, a bit, saying, Hey, they would say, Hey, PO, call me Ryan. We're Facebook friends. You know, you're in the military now. You don't call me by my rank in a Facebook message. <laughs> it's kind of weird. You know, like I'm not your instructor anymore. I might be a higher rank than you, but we do, we're not even the same element like you're in the air force i'm in the navy like we're just we've met in basic training i was your instructor at one point but you're you're just a person i'm just a person right there is a little bit of a role we play i'm obviously different with my recruits than i am with my kids <laughs> you should be i'm different with my recruits than i am with my spouse so we do play a, a character so to speak but i think just like any actor i still draw on who i am so i still am fair i'm still what i think is nice or kind I actually cared about my recruits. I wanted them to do well. I wanted them to succeed. So I'd mentor them. And that's the word I should say that we mentor them. But I will say I worked with some staff that outside of work, they weren't the nicest people. <laughs> they were kind of jerks. And so when they were drill instructors or yeah, they were a little bit harsh because outside of their time as an instructor, yeah, they were kind of like that too. You know, they were like that to me, you know, like, holy moly. Yeah. So they probably like to play up to the misconception Absolutely. that drill surgeons supposed to be this way. Yeah unnecessarily get the job done to get what you wanted out of the recruits it was unnecessary to behave that way yeah and i still see that of course I, this goes for any jobs i want people you know to think this is just a this goes for any job whether you're the ceo or a, a manager at the nike shop you know don't be a jerk that's all i'm saying you can still train mentor help people understand what their job is and that's what i try to do as a instructor without being an a-hole about it but that's just me Maybe some people felt that's the only way to, you could do it, but it is a misconception for real because there are people that were like that. And so I actually know people personally who have left the military because of bad bosses. Well, there is a stat. The, the number one reason why people leave yeah. any job is not because of the work that they do yeah. or are asked to do. It's because of management, how they're treated. So let me speak to anyone, my military friends listening, be nice. Anyone who's listening who has a job or a manager, just... Be fair, be consistent, but you don't have to be a jerk. I don't understand. Anyways, I, I, I don't understand. I don't get it. That's just me speaking. I'm 46 years old, and I have seen people leave the military because, not because of the work, like Jason said, not because of the work, not because of the deployments, not because of the training, because of the toxic work environment. And I think the military has this kind of unique breeding ground, a little bit more than McDonald's. The people that want to be jerks, they get a little bit more leeway because of the rank system and that's a problem that i really wish would get resolved all right well there you go those are the 10 misconceptions about basic training or boot camp that the public seems to have regarding those things 
And so Jason and I were talking, well, well, how do we pick the worst? And I think the worst would be the one that it's a misconception that I really didn't have or Jason didn't really have, like meaning like, oh, I. So, for example, I think Jason, for example, thought at the very beginning, like if he was told that you're not allowed to contact family, I think you would have said, oh, that that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So that wouldn't be a worst pick. That's what we're trying to get. So that's the opposite of the worst pick. That's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. But we found out that is a misconception. So which one, Jason, for you? We'll go through the list real quick. Great. Okay, so here we go. No family contact is allowed whatsoever. Every new military recruit is big and strong. Boot camp is about brainwashing. Boot camp is designed for recruits to fail. New recruits will only do physical training. A physically fit person won't struggle in boot camp. All military recruits are patriotic. Basic training has gotten softer or easier over the years. All military servicemen are sharp shooters and drill sergeants are jerks. <laughs> so this is kind of tough. I think for me, I mean, I'll, I'll start with this one. I think for me, the worst misconception, the one is like, really, I, I don't know if I'd come up with this one as a misconception because all the other ones are kind of believable. Even me reading them as being somebody in for 18 years, I get why people thought. But this one, I guess when I read this, this one was like, oh, I'd never even thought this would be a misconception. But I... I kind of get it because it happens in movies all the time. But again, I never thought of it myself was that old military servicemen are sharpshooters. I think that's kind of a, a silly misconception. It's- that's the one I was going to pick oh. as well. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. I, I get it. It's a funny trope to use in movies and TV shows, but I never even considered that would be what people would think. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible to believe that anybody that goes through basic training or is participating in basic training is going to actually be comfortable and proficient at shooting a gun right i mean we didn't grow up with guns no so to go into basic training and have that you know, within a few weeks be experienced enough to be a sharpshooter yeah that is. i love, I love that idea like I love, but it's a great trope they use in tv shows and movies i'm sure we'll see it again he's an ex-military uh, member but i haven't touched a gun in 20 years but now's your chance to to fight back they pick up the weapon they're like they're so good at it yeah 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 i love it all right. Well, this has been fun. I really hope my listeners have learned a little bit about both Canadian boot camp, a little bit of U.S. boot camp, what it might be like. I'm just speaking from experience. If people who are instructors or who have gone through this experience experience something different, I hope you had a good time. If you had a bad time, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I enjoyed my time actually in basic training. I, had, I actually kind of experienced all the stuff you would experience, the teamwork, uh, disappointments, the long days, the fatigue, cold weather. I... I had an instructor. He was yeah, short. He was a short French Air Force sergeant. He was the cliche. I hate to say it. He was short, bad temper on him, yelled all the time, was always disappointed in you. But I kind of glad I kind of went through that, you know. And then when I graduated, he was like, hey, good job. That was the role. He was playing the role. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he had a job to do and he yeah. did it. Like he was like a foot shorter than me. He kind of scared me. That's what I liked. I kind of enjoyed that a little bit. I know I've never made any recruit feel afraid, but that wasn't my role. That's just not how I am, right? So I, did, I drew from what I am. But yeah, I enjoyed my basic training and I also enjoyed being an instructor. In fact, when I went through basic training, I said to myself, I want to teach this. I even knew then that I would want to do it. And so 16 years later, I got the chance. It was really yeah, a great experience there. Cool. Yeah. That well, was a good conversation, right? Yeah, it was Good fun. insight. Yeah. All right. Remember, in front of every silver lining, there's a cloud. And today... It was all military servicemen are sharpshooters. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, brother. Chat later. Damn, Productions.